Hi everybody, it's Andy. Uh, just to note that immediately after the introduction, Ralph reads Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 through 40. If you'd like to read them yourself and then skip ahead directly to the beginning of the episode, uh, you can skip to about 745-ish. The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another. And we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. It's time to grow up. A study of the epistle to the Hebrews. Now, Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you will live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, so that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I am commanding you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor, for all the men who followed Baal Peor. The Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who clung to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught your statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you are to do these things in the land where you are entering to take possession of it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only be careful for yourself and watch over your soul diligently, so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may have them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth, and that they may teach their children. You came forward and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire to the heart of the heavens. Darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, so that you would perform them in the land where you are going over to take possession of it. So be very careful yourself, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, a representation of male or female, a representation of any animal that is on the earth, a representation of any winged bird that flies in the sky, a representation of anything that crawls on the ground, or a representation of any fish that is in the water below the earth. And be careful not to raise your eyes to heaven and look at the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly lights, and allow yourself to be drawn away and worship them and serve them, things which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people of his own possession as today. Now the Lord was angry with me on your account, and he swore that I would not cross the Jordan, and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for I am going to die in this land. I am not crossing the Jordan, but you are going to cross, and you will take possession of this good land. So be careful yourselves, that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. 
when you father children and have grandchildren and you grow old in the land and you act corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that you will certainly perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to take possession of it. You will not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left in few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods, the work of human hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell anything. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things happen to you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not abandon you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers which he swore to them. Indeed, ask now about the earlier days that were before your time since the day that God created mankind on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing, or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire, as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God ventured to go and take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, by wars, by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, just as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before his eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice to discipline you, and on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire, because he loved your fathers. He chose their descendants after them, and he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in and give you their lands as an inheritance as it is today. Therefore, know today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep His statutes and His commandments which I am giving you today, so that it may go well for you and for your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Rick... <laughs> What did you call him, Andy? What, did, what was the name you gave him last time? Rick, Rick to the Rickening. <laughs> the Rickening. <laughs> Electric Rickaloo oh, Carter. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Sarita, the Edge. Education. Hola. Ba -da -na -na. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Jerry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. All right. We are back here in Giraffe Studio in beautiful Hendersonville, North Carolina. And we are now on part one of our study of the epistles, epistle Ooh. to the Hebrews. And the title of this Six months baby, later, we got to part one. I yeah. know. It is called <laughs> It's Time. To grow up. But you gotta. It's time to grow up. And I, I didn't title this because I'm being a jerk. I actually titled it because the author of the Hebrews tells his audience this. Later on, you're going to find out when he says that. Oh, you guys are just a bunch of babies. Just drinking on bottles of milk. So anyway, what you guys heard at the top of the podcast was an address given by Moses to the nation of Israel before they entered into the promised land. And this is a critical moment in the nation's history. Their God had made a promise to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God would make a people for himself. He would make a covenant with those people. He would be their God, and they would be his people. In order to understand the nature of this special relationship between the Creator and His creation, we have to acknowledge what a covenantal relationship is. So let's get the proper de definition. Sarita, do you mind doing that? Sure. Covenant, noun, an agreement. In theology, an agreement that brings about a relationship of commitment between God and His people. 
The Jewish faith is based on the biblical covenants made with Abraham, Moses, and David. Right. So let's look at what Moses states in his address to the nation of Israel. Cherry, can you break that down a bit? You came forward and stood at the front of the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire to the heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sounds of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tables of stone, tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments so that you would perform them in the land where you are going over to take possession of it. So God himself declared the covenant to the children of Israel. Then he commanded Moses to teach them statutes and judgments so that they could perform them and keep this covenant with God, who was giving them the land that was promised to Abraham centuries before. The relationship between the Creator and His people is based on who He is. What He requires from them is to understand His holiness, how that holiness is interpreted by statutes and judgments, and once fully understood and agreed upon, then to perform them themselves, so they could possess the land that He was giving them. The relationship is clear. Now it's up to the children of Israel to decide if they want to be in this type of relationship, right? So, a covenant is an agreement. The fact is, they entered into the agreement. So while giving this address to the people, Moses tells them something surprising. Rick, can you tell us what Moses said? Now the Lord was angry with me on your account, and he swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not enter into good land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for I am going to die in this land. I am not crossing the Jordan, but you are going to cross, and you will take possession of this good land. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I forgot to mention in our kickoff, guys, and I also forgot to mention at the beginning of this, Billy is sick. That's why he's not on the show. He will be back in part two. He promised me. He said that he would he be said, here. He said, I will be sick no longer. <laughs> yeah. he, he said, be healed. Yeah. So anyway, what, what Rick just read is an important thing that you have to remember. And you got to get this or you're going to miss some really unique things that we're going to explore in the Epistle of the Hebrews. So, Andy, can you tell us what the point here is? Moses doesn't make it to the promised land. Classic Moses. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think this has any significance? Any of you guys? Do you think it, there's something significant about the fact that Moses doesn't make it to the promised land? That's a question. I think it's significant that he doesn't make it to the promised land. Okay. What do you think? What is significant about it? Well, he was called by the Lord to lead the Lord's people. Mm -hmm. And he constantly battled with them because they were murmuring and complaining. And then he smote the rock instead of speaking to it. And now he doesn't get to make it to the promised land. I noticed it says, now the Lord was angry with me on your account. Mm -hmm. But Moses chose to smote the rock. He was angry with the people. And that's why he smote the rock. But is that not righteous anger? Are we not allowed to have righteous anger? Doesn't it say, uh, be ye angry, but sin not? I don't mm -hmm. go, I don't know if you can have righteous anger. So, uh, I don't know about God in the temple. That's Jesus God. Temple? I'm not God. He, he could have righteous anger, but I don't think I can. What about you, Rick? You think there's anything significant about the fact that Moses didn't get to the promised land? Well, Moses was the one that had, from the point of the mountain, he was the one that gave down the covenant. Right. It, it was given to him to give to the people. Right. And he was the one to lead them from that point on. Now, sadly, from him, he couldn't control his anger mm -hmm. with him, with the people that he had the problem with. Yeah. Because they were the ones that were actually doing the wrong, and then he committed the wrong by hitting the rock. Right. So having leadership and passing it on, I think it, it, it's highly important that him not making it for the people at that time was it's pretty significant. Yeah, okay. I think it was significant to them because the Lord's saying, this is a covenant I have with you, and if you break it, then uh, you're going to be left behind, and Moses is not coming in, so here's be a warning to you. Moses got in trouble for the whole strike the rock for water to sprout thing? That's right. He hit it, and nothing came forth, so he struck it again. He was only supposed to hit it once, but he struck it again, and that was what prevented him from going. And he died, and God buried him. And on the 
wrong sounds side a little, of the Jordan. Sounds a little bit like the definition of work to me. I, can I just ask a question? I thought he was supposed to speak to the rock. He'd already smote the rock once. Yes. But I thought he was supposed to speak to it. He wasn't supposed to hit it at all that time. Oh, you're Is probably right? right. I don't remember. But anyway, well, I'm right. I'm with I'm with Ralph and Rick. First of all, he put Moses in the place to give the covenant to speak to the people. And then, like Ralph said, he made this mistake, and now he doesn't get to make it to the promise. In other words, we're in agreement here. When you fault on your part, I don't keep my end because you didn't keep your end. Mm-hmm. Well, do you also think, and, and it says the people, and there are estimations of how many millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people there were. Do you think every single one of them worshipped the golden calf? Or were there some that were like, why am I paying for them? I did what I was supposed to. Moses did what he was supposed to. Then he got angry. But he was really paying for the sins of the entire people over a certain age group that had to wander around the desert until they all died off. And some of them aren't going over. Moses is not going over partially because of sins of other people that he led. But the covenant, he, Moses, was the representative, the earthly representative of the covenant between God and those people. Mm -hmm. And the person that agreed on behalf of the people of the covenant doesn't get to see the reward of the covenant. Right. That's what I see. I see, you know, it's kind of like when you're in school and the teacher goes out of the classroom for a minute and a bunch of kids get into a fight and the whole classroom gets in trouble because nobody will admit to who, yeah. who started it. So guilt everybody in the whole, you're guilt by association. And so how many of those people who were above the age of whatever uh, Joshua was, because he was one of the two spies who said, we can do this, we got this, let God go before us and do it. So, but he doesn't get to go. So I, I just, I do think he shouldn't, he shouldn't have hit the rock or whatever. But he does say, God got mad at me. God chastises him several times for the behavior. When he wasn't even there, sometimes he was up on the mountain. They were doing this thing down here with Aaron. So I don't know, like, is it fair? I mean, if we're going to talk humanly, I mean, do we kick our feet and say, is this fair that Moses, I mean, I that, does he chastise well, we are Moses talking about the, the, for the Old behavior Testament of the too. people? Yeah, mm-hmm, he does. He said for, he. he I says know. It. Yeah, I know. He's talking to him, and he's like, you know, these people, and he's and he's like, you know, back and forth with Moses. But I, I thought that Moses, of course, then of course, asked for him to be merciful on the people, and he tells him you know, to get down off the mountain, go down and see what the people have done. But I mean, at that point, I'm just saying, does he like? Does he really chastise Moses for the behavior of the people? The well, message is given to yes, Moses. He does the part, not to the people. That's right. Go ahead. Well, the part about the rock, which is is quite kind of interesting. That it's kind of a, a question. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus was a rock? Mm-hmm. Yes, not the rock of salvation. I want a rock, but a, but an actual rock. Yeah. So we talk about the part where what Moses did, and is it just an absolute sin to take a stick and hit a rock. Mm-hmm. And you would think that there's... Remember that water is coming from this rock. Well, but in in right. going for, in your study and reading from that point, you see that he hit a rock. Yeah. Right? You seem, from a general reader, that what's the significance outside of the fact he got in trouble? Mm-hmm. Well, a part of the writer that writes in another book that makes some significance to what the rock was. Yes. So he actually hit something of significance that was a, uh, a foreshadow. Mm-hmm. Maybe was it real? I don't know. But Paul writes and says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Mm-hmm. So was it literal water or was it spiritual? It says it was spiritual. Exactly. So you you just brought up a great point. What you're going to hear in the letter of the to the Hebrews is about shadows, types, things in the Old Testament that were pointing to something in the New, things in the Old Covenant that were pointing to something in the New Covenant. Okay? So 
can Moses get you to the promised land? Can Moses himself take you there? You have to get you there. Who takes the people to the promised land? Who takes them there? Joshua. And who was a pre-incarnate of Jesus, or who was a, and they called a type of Jesus? A type, Jesus? that's right. Joshua. Yeshua. Jesus' his name is Yeshua. Yeah. An anti-type? He's an, Christ is the anti-type. Yes. And then Joshua is the type, and Christ is the anti-type, which is what is the best to come. So Moses couldn't get you there, but Yeshua could. He crossed through the Jordan to get them to the promised land. You're going to be hearing a lot of this stuff. That's why we're going through the Old Testament. We're going to, Kim Burgess said it so beautifully. He says, the Bible is like a diamond and there are many facets. And I see Hebrews as the diamond where the light shines on it and then illuminates the rest of the diamond. I think Hebrews is that important. Okay. Well, it was only, wasn't only Moses that didn't get to go. There were a lot of people that didn't get to go. And you know, it's, it's, it happens throughout uh, history where this is what everyone's supposed to do. People don't do it, so you're not going to do this, and we'll wait, and maybe somebody else will get it. And it's a lesson to everybody that, hey, for those of you that didn't do it, why didn't you stop the ones that did? Why didn't somebody go up the hill sooner and get Moses when this started? I mean, they actually, look how long this took to, to do the things that they were doing, like when they built the idol. I mean, that didn't that didn't just think, okay, today we're going to build an idol. Yeah, Let's gather all the gold. Let's talk to everyone. Yes. Let's melt it all down. Let's build something. What shape does it have to be? You know, they argued about that. <laughs> well, collecting gold from a couple million people would have taken quite a bit of time. <laughs> yes, and probably some force. Give me your right. teeth. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, Moses doesn't make it to the promised land. You're right, Andy. You're right. He doesn't make it to the promised land. So listen to what he says right after he added those. Yeah. Right after he added those words. Okay. Which must have been another shock to the people considering everything they'd seen and heard and learned was from the special leader. So Ralph, will you read that part again? So be careful yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the forms of anything against which the Lord, your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you father grandchildren and when you father children and have grandchildren, you grow old in the land and you act corruptly, and make an idol in the form of anything, and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today, that you will certainly perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to take possession of it. You will not live long on it, but it will be utterly destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve gods, the work of human hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell anything. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things happen to you, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not abandon nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. So Moses immediately warns them of idols. Do not worship created things. This is breaking the covenant with the one who created everything, heaven and earth, and all the things in them. Sarita, what would you say the next critical points are here? Well, if you worship anything else, you lose the land. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you search with him with all of your heart and all of your soul. In the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. So does any of this sound familiar? If we zoom out and look at this in a basic way, the Creator made a promise to a few human beings. He entered into an agreement with them, and he is explaining to them what worship is and where it should be directed. Cherry, do you mind reading the definition of worship? Worship is a noun, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, religious rites or ceremonies constituting a formal expression of reverence for a deity. So I'm sorry to be so trivial about this word, worship, but it's a critical thing to the God of the Hebrews. Why? It's pretty simple. He's the creator of everything, ever. All things were made by him. So if he interacts with human beings that he made and is showing them how to relate back to him, 
if they place something in their lives that they give this kind of reverence to, where does he fit in their life? He's defining how this relationship with, with him has to work. So let's go back to the garden for a moment. Prior to the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, Rick, I've laid out a few questions to consider. Do you mind reading them? Do we ever read of Adam falling down on his face and worshiping God? Do we read where Adam had to perform a ceremony to express his understanding and reverence to God because he created him? Do we see the necessity of blood atonement? Do we see Adam carving out little pieces of wood to represent the animals? So I pose these questions this way. I wanted to take us back to what the relationship was like before all of this stuff before Moses was needed, before Abraham was called out from the Chaldeans, before Jacob had to wrestle with the angel, before all of this stuff, whenever Adam was in the garden, do we ever see any type of Adam falling down and worshiping God? Do you ever read that? No. So just because it's not there, people can say, well, you know, it could be implied because God was, it's not there. The, the point is that it's not there. All he does is have a relationship. In fact, God says, have dominion over everything that I've made. So he makes the man and says, now you have it. You give the animals the names. You have dominion over all the things. You only eat the green herbs of the field. You do not eat meat. This is, I've given you everything. So this is the relationship, right? Do you see any type of blood atonement necessary? Because there was no sin? Now, I may be getting ahead of myself. I I can't even remember. But that's the point that I'm trying to get here is that what we consider worship, what we consider ceremony, what we consider blood atonement, any of those things that God gives to the people happens after the fall, not prior to, okay? Okay. So, here's what we see. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Adam was given dominion over everything that God made. There is no sign of ceremonies or blood atonement ceremonies. Adam named the animals and ruled over them. So, what's happening? Put yourself into the relevance of the people, place, and purpose. The people, the children of Israel who were God's selected. The place, on their way to the land that was promised. Purpose, to fulfill the promise made to their ancestral line that God had related to. This was a promise he made to Abraham. Don't forget that. What tree, Andy, what tree did Adam and Eve eat from again? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good. I have said this since we started this podcast. Eve saw that the tree was good for food and to make one become wise like a god. So was Adam allowed to walk with God anymore in a relationship after this? Did Adam have dominion? Let me ask you this another way. Did Adam's descendants start carving out little statues of birds and fish and start worshiping them? If the answer to that question is yes, then the obvious answer to my former question is no. After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, there was no relationship. And that's something that uh, it it says there was no relationship. I just failed to believe that God and Adam and Eve had no more relationship after that. I mean, it says it kicked him out of the garden. Okay, kicked him out of the garden. doesn't say he didn't have a relationship after that. The relationship, would you say that it changed? Certainly. So you could say that they still have a relationship, but the relationship isn't what it was. Correct. Okay, I can go with that. I'm good with that. So why would God, the creator of all things, suddenly need to have, to, need to have worship ceremonies provided to his chosen people rather than just a basic relationship like Adam had? Why do you think that is? It's, it's pretty much basically what you said. Let's think about, let's discuss this for a second. Cain and Abel. Cain brought the fruits. He was, he was a gardener. He brought the fruits, right? And Abel brought his firstlings of his flock and sacrificed them, right? Blood atonement. Why was Abel's good and Cain's bad? Have you ever thought of that? I thought it was because the intentions of the heart that, that each had. What, no, where was it? One out of the, obligation and one out yes, of want to. Yes, out of a desire to actually give their best. Whereas, Does it say that? Is well, it because he killed? I mean, you know, I've later. heard it preached, you know, it's all about the blood and so on and so forth. But um, I'd have to go back. But I did think that it said something about 
It does um, say something about Cain. Uh, Cain's heart. Not yeah, the being way in the that right his place. intent mm-hmm. of giving what he gave. Mm-hmm. And I would I would say that's fair. I, in my opinion, and this is opinion, is that the ground was cursed. Good point. And that God made coats of skins for his mother and father and covered their shame and their nakedness. He had to actually commit the first death. That's right. Blood atonement. And also it's important, whenever Cain kills Abel and Cain walks away, God says, where's your brother? And what does Cain say? He lies. Am I my brother's brother's keeper? And what did God say? How did God learn that Abel was dead? How did he learn? He heard the blood. He heard it coming from the ground. God heard the blood. So there's something unique about blood. God can hear it, but there's something unique about it, okay? So because there was something wrong with man and God had to teach them through the knowledge that they just got, guys, morality, what's the definition of morality? Andy, could you give me a quick definition? That's not written down for us. This is just me asking you. What's, what would you say a definition of morality is? Well, I mean, morals is uh, morals are a system or a code of uh, laws, not necessarily written, that govern action that generally are you know, actions that are. I'm trying, I'm just looking for the right word. I know it's a tough one to to, to do, right? It's, it's generally, things we all agree are proper, mm-hmm. proper actions, or at least not improper. Maybe I see morality a lot of times as good and bad. Right and wrong, the definition of right and wrong, the definition of good and bad. Then we have good morality and bad morality, right? We have immoral and moral. I'm not sure there's bad morality. I think there's just morality, and then there's moral and immoral. Immoral. But... Well, the 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 base root of the word immoral is moral. The right, opposite of moral. But by yeah, whose but standards? Bad, because morality bad is... is different. Bad morals would be suggesting that you don't agree with the set of laws that they have. Their morals are bad, so yes. they act bad because their rating system is different. So it's not the same as immoral, which is someone who is not being moral with against a code that they understand. 100% correct. I absolutely agree with you. Go ahead, Ralph. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that it, it depends on who they are and what their morals are, I, uh, because everyone has a different set of morals and immorality. And I think that the, the basic uh, uh, piece of morality is just not to do, uh, not to transgress against others. That's yeah, the mm-hmm. golden rule, baby. Yeah. So, but here's the issue: man consumed morality. When they consumed the knowledge of good and evil, prior to eating that, they walked with God. They had a relationship with God. Their reference was what they saw him doing. Kind of like the disciples we said when they were sent out in the first, in the kickoff, when we said the disciples were sent out, how they watched Jesus and then they went out on their own and they could use what they learned. The same thing applies here. What if it's a story about proto-man? It, like yeah. where they, they, they don't have the knowledge of good and evil as if, not as if because they had God to follow, but as if my cat. Right. My cat does not have the knowledge of good and evil. It is neither, really. No. You and know? you're right. It doesn't. I, I would, I mean, I would say that humans definitely have a higher plane of understanding when it comes to that. But we didn't always. N- well, and that's, I mean, I know Christians don't believe this, but we are just like super neat beasts, yeah. you know, and we were. Just regular beasts. I mean, we weren't, obviously, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Now, from the perspective of, from your perspective or from the biblical perspective, the idea here is that God sees this, the moral question actually is a bad thing. We always try to inject morality through Christianity or through, through, we say God gave morality. I disagree. I don't believe God gave morality at all. I think you're right about one thing. I think he sees the moral question as a bad one. Yes. Yeah, I agree totally. And and I think that if you have, once he ate of the tree, once he ate of that tree, the man is the one that brought the the moral question in. Because prior to that, it wasn't necessary. Prior to that, everything that was good was made by God, and he was included in that. And Eve was very good. Oh yeah, buddy. He was very good. And you take the and all of that core relationship was it was good, okay? But because they have this moral question now, even their knowledge of good is wrong. You get it? 
Now worship becomes a thing. Moses is warning them right here. That's what he's doing. He's saying, don't go make wooden things and start worshiping them. Don't worship the created thing, because the God that has brought you out as his people is saying that I am the one who you're supposed to have this relationship. I'm the one. Philosophy is the fall of man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys all should have laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So at this point, who had dominion of the things God had made after Adam and Eve fell? Yes. Satan. The deceiver. The deceiver. The de- he had become the ruler of this world. So, yeah, a little timeline stuff for the ignorant. Lucifer had fallen prior to the uh, creation of man, right? Absolutely. Okay. It sounds like, again, Either that one or of those, he had a free like, will. super basic questions. But. He had a free will, and he decided to trick man. Mm-hmm. And we don't learn a lot of that except from the life of Adam and Eve or that pseudopigraphal riding that we did. So, so, if, so what's God doing? What is God doing? All of this, you know, Andy and I, when we did our little preamble, we, t- we talked about this, like, did he want all of this to, to occur? Is this all part of the sovereign God's decision to do? A Calvinist will say yes, 100%. An Arminian will say no. You have some people that say, actually, God allowed Adam and Eve to hide from him in the garden. He allowed it because of their free agency. He let them be their own being. And even the Westminster Confession of Faith agrees with that. He let Cain lie to him. He he, he already knew. He could have said, Cain, why did you kill your brother? That's not what he said. But see, that mean that means that God is a rhetorical questioner. And that and I and listen, I can go with what you say, Ralph. I totally can. But my problem is that I don't think God is asking rhetorical questions. I think he's giving man the free will that we That's, all desire. I think by the way he said that, he had gave him the free will to speak his mind and to say, and you got a choice. Going to tell me what happened or you're not. So I think, okay. Go ahead. I have four kids. Yes. And I walk into a room and there is chaos going on. Yes. I got Three of the four kids sitting doing homework, and I got the one kid who's covered in flour, chocolate, whatever. And I walk in and I say, who did this? I already know the answer to the question. And <laughs> half the time, if I'm asking a question to someone, I already know I tell my kids the that answer all the time. <laughs> to it. So your choices lie to me or tell me the truth. Hopefully, we're going to tell the truth. I mean, that's just— that's how I read, and that's sort of maybe it comes back to where I come from. Where are you, Adam? Like he didn't know where Adam was. If he's sovereign and he right. knows all, the Bible says he knows all, he's omniscient. Where's your brother? I he already knows. He already knows. He can hear the blood calling out. So he already knows. So he's given yeah. him the free will to answer the question. And because of his heart condition, he can't answer the question. And because of Adam and Eve's heart condition, thus, after eating, they blame each other. The blame game starts from the very get-go, the very first words they utter that we read in the Bible. I don't know what their very first words they uttered. We're probably like, cat, dog, cow. That's Adam. And he's cat. like, oh, hot mama. That. What? Okay. And then Follow the first- me for cat videos. Go he ahead. looked at her the and he said, re- whoa, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whoa, man. Oh, God. And then, you know, but the first words recorded were, uh, that 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 serpent made me do it, and then well, that woman made me do it, and if you hadn't given me that woman, it's your fault, God. I mean, so God asks questions; He already knows the answer to. Now, maybe we don't understand it. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He operates on a completely different plane than my human brain can wrap itself around. But like Ralph, I think He already knew the answer. I, I'm curious. I want. I want to. I want to test your Bible knowledge for just a second, Cherry. I'm going to test you. Go, Cherry. I, got I have faith in you, Cherry. It says that your. I, I can't remember it exactly, but there is a sea where God will throw things into it, and He'll never remember it anymore. It's called the Sea of. Do you know it, Sarita? Do you know it? What is it? Forgetfulness. Okay. 
So God has a place called the Sea of Forgetfulness. Does he remember those sins? Says to be remembered no more. Well, hold on. This is fascinating. So that's a thing? Yes. Yes, it's so in hold Psalm. On. The Sea of Forgetfulness is a place where these things are cast. Does he remember them? If he chose to, he could, but he chooses Boom. not to. Thank you. It's a choice. Something that God can do. Do you get it? It's a choice that God can do. Is it a choice he can undo? Yes. Yes, because okay. he can. Then what's the point? Then there's no then then he's never forgotten. But he can if, not, if you if he can remember on command, then there is no, 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 no. But, there is no yeah, but, value. Yeah, but, in the but he's making another covenant that's saying, I'm putting it in the sea of forgetfulness and I'm not gonna go remember. So I'm okay. putting it so over he, there. Because I'm God, I could go remember all of that, but I'm so choosing not to not, and making a covenant. So with you. Can, is there anything that God cannot do? And the answer is he cannot lie. He can't. So that means that God has things that he cannot do, even though he's sovereign. He also can do things that he wants and limit himself if he chooses to do so. He made a creation. He wanted to love it. He wanted it to love him back. That's the relationship. He chose to send Christ to make yes. a new covenant. He loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, are you a sinner? Of course. Are you a saint? Of course. Exactly. So how can you be a saint and a sinner in the same sentence? Because we are human. Christ made you a saint. So he has the ability to take away the sins of the world. Correct? Mm -hmm. So God, if he so chooses, does not have to ask that question rhetorically. He could actually give them liberty and walk around with them down there and not know where they are. It's possible if he wanted it. It's possible. I'll it give you I'll give you the, the I'll give you yours. The, I, it I is can, impossible. It's I can not look impossible. At it both ways. But the sea of forgetfulness is because we've asked, we've atoned through Christ's blood for that sea of forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, it was because of the Day of Atonement mm -hmm. that they that those sins were dropped into the sea of forgetfulness. That's a great way to segue right back into this because it's a type antitype. Look at me go. Look at you. It's a type antitype. We're going to get into that. So here's a few more things and then, so we can wrap up this part one. Sarita, uh, let's give Ralph a break. Uh, do you mind reading again, but this time from Deuteronomy 18? And this is quite a bit, guys. Please just listen. I know there's a lot of reading on this one, but it's necessary. The Levitical priests, the whole tribe of Levi, shall not have a portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire and his property. They shall not have an inheritance among their countrymen, and the Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. Now, this shall be the priest's portion from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, either an ox or a sheep. They shall give the priest the shoulder, two cheeks, and the stomach. You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all your tribes to stand, to serve in the name of the Lord always. Now, if a Levite comes from any of your towns throughout Israel where he resides, and he comes whenever he desires to the place where the Lord chooses, then he shall serve in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand there before the Lord." They shall eat equal portions, except for what they receive from the sale of their father's estates. When you enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, a soothsayer, one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who consults the dead." For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God is going to drive them out before you. You are to be blameless before the Lord your God for these nation, nations which you are going to dispossess. Listen to the soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen to him you shall listen." This is in accordance with everything that you asked the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Do not let me hear the voice of the Lord my God again, and do not let me see this great fire any more, or I will die. And the Lord said to me, 
They have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet from among their countrymen like you. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them everything that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, a word which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how will we recognize the word which the Lord has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and that thing does not happen or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You are not to be afraid of him. Thank you, Sarita. I know that was a lot. That was a mouthful. But take it in, guys. If you can, if you didn't get it, rewind it and listen to it again, or go read it yourself in Deuteronomy 18. Yeah. She went through I'm, it like I'm, a pro. She yeah. is a pro. It I'm, was awesome. I'm shaking my head. Why? Because I'm trying to take all of that in, and I've read this before, and then to hear it all again from somebody saying it to me instead of me reading it is like, okay, there's something I'm going to have to go back over. There's a lot there. So think about what's being said. The Levitical priests do not get an inheritance. Why? Because the Lord is their inheritance. When certain ceremonial laws are performed for the people, the priests receive their food from it. Their food is to do God's will. Have you ever heard that before? God, Jesus says the man shall not live by. No. What does he say? My the, food. My food is to do the, to will, the will of, of him God. who sent me. Exactly. The food is to do God's will. It is a type. Christ is the antitype. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. By you the have. way, can I just speak to that for just a second? Sure. Going back to the Levitical priests there, the Bible says, I believe it's in Hebrews, <laughs> that we are a royal priesthood. Yes. Thus, if we're Christians and we're not Jewish, we do not partake in the first fruits of the Israelites, if you will. We partake of the Lord, our God, through Jesus Christ. Yes. We get the portion. He is our portion. Yes, He is our portion. Your head, yeah, you Can did. Can we sing a song with that? You he jumped way, portion. like eight into eight, chapter eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I've so, been reading it over and over again. So they received the first fruits of grain, the bread of life. You know what that's the creation of? What? Tithing. Tithing? Yeah, it's great. And it has a purpose, right? New wine, oil, and fleece for clothing. Could we say it this way? The priests did not have to worry about what they ate, drank, or wore. Like the birds of the field? Hmm. Exactly. Sound familiar? Now watch this. As the children of Israel enter into the promised land, what will be there when they arrive? What are they not to do? Why don't you kick that one off, Ralph? Other nations are there. Those nations do detestable things. The Israelites are not to do what those nations do. They are to dispossess the land from them. They are not to make make their children walk through fire. Offerings are made by fire. They are not to use divination to practice the seeking knowledge of the future or the unknown by supernatural means. Keep going. You got a lot more. My bad. Uh, they are not. <laughs> I, you, you've only been giving me like a line or two. I was like, yeah, you got a bunch on this one. All right, that's cool. Uh, they are not to use a soothsayer, a person who is supposed to be able to foresee the future. They are not to use an interpreter of omens, a person who is able to interpret an event regarded as a portent of good or evil. They are not to engage with sorcerers, a person who claims or is believed to have magic powers, a wizard. They are not to engage one who casts a spell implying they believe in spells. One who forms words used as magical charm or incantation, a spell is laid on the door to prevent entry. They are not to engage with a medium, a person claiming to be in contact with the spirits of the dead and to communicate between the dead and the living. They are not to engage with the sprites. Spiritists. Spiritists, thank you. A person who uses a system of belief or religious practice based on supposed communication with the spirits of the dead, especially through mediums. So the Lord God of the Hebrews does not allow the children of Israel to do this. Why? In my opinion, you have to go back to the Exodus story. You have to know what the chosen people came out of to learn what they exited from. The simple answer is bondage slavery by the hand of the Egyptians. So is that just physical hard labor against one's will? No, it's bondage to a nation of other gods as well. Remember that this is a religious story. It's a God and man story. 
God displayed his power over not only the Pharaoh, but also his magicians. The ten plagues are a key to understanding this. So in short, I'll tell you briefly what is happening behind the scenes and leave it up to you to research it for yourselves. Plague number one, blood in the Nile River. God defeats Hapi, the god of the Nile, bringer of fertility, something that they worshipped in Egypt. Plague number two, frogs. God defeats Heget, the frog-headed goddess of fruitfulness. Plague number three, lice. God defeats Geb, the god of the earth from which the gnats come from. Plague four, he defeats. He brings in the flies. God defeats Kepri, the beetle-headed god of the morning sun. Plague five, cattle. God defeats Hathor, cow-headed goddess of motherhood and childbirth. Plague six, pestilence. God defeats Sekhmet, goddess of healing. Plague seven, hail. God defeats Nut, goddess of the sky. What a great name. Plague eight, locust. God defeats Shu, god of the wind. And then plague nine, darkness. God defeats Ra, the sun god, king of the gods, the father of mankind, according to the Egyptians. Plague 10, firstborn. God defeats Bess, protector of households. They weren't just oppressed physically. We like to think that. We like to say, oh, they were out making bricks, and that's it. But they were oppressed spiritually. And this is a common theme. So God tells them not to seek those that practice these dark arts. Among the other nations, they are to dispossess. In other words, think about it, guys. He's taken them out of Egypt. Where do you think they learned how to worship a cow? A golden cow? What do you think that came from? Do you think they just decided to make a golden cow that day? Or do you think that there was something unique about that cow? Yeah, and probably did come from some some other religion. They brought right? it from another yeah. religion, something that they had been accustomed to when they were in their slavery because they were enslaved by the Egyptians. Ralph, I see you smiling. What's on your mind? I was thinking, it was a talking cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and it was telling us to eat more chicken. Was it a holy cow? Uh-huh. <laughs> Instead, it was Mr. Fred. The Lord provides them with something else instead of all of this other stuff. It's in that thing you just read, a prophet. He will raise up a prophet like Moses for them. So what are the qualifications of this special person? Cherry, can you tell us? He will be from Israel. He will have God's words and speak them. He will speak God's commands, every command, no more, no less. When he speaks, the people of Israel must listen and obey, or God will step in and require it of them. He cannot speak presumptuously, failing to observe the limits of what is permitted or appropriate, or out of his own thoughts or desires. It must be from God alone. He cannot speak on behalf of another God. If he speaks with his own mouth or from another God, he must be put to death. The measuring gauge for the prophet of the people is, if the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord and the thing does not happen or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. So here we are. Let's take what we've learned and make it simpler for our study. Ralph, can you help us there? God used to have a relationship with man that was good. Man ate the knowledge of good and evil, and that was bad. God couldn't have a relationship with man because of what that tree put in the man. Sin. God called out a human being who listened to him, believed him, and trusted him, Abraham. God made an agreement with that man called a covenant. This covenant was between God, the man, and the man's descendants. As that people grew in the number just as God had promised that man, they were enslaved by a powerful nation, Egypt, just as God told Abraham. God raised up a prophet named Moses to deliver them. God gave Moses the law, statutes, statutes, statutes. Thank you. God gave Moses the law, statutes, and judgments to understand how God relates to the sin, knowledge of good and evil that stops them from living forever with Him. God taught Moses how to build a tent specifically designed to have God with them. You know, if it would have been statues, then Moses would have got in, right? <laughs> that would have changed things for right, a lot of people, right? I guess. Uh, God made a special tribe, Levi, to carry out the ceremonies to relate with God. This special tribe had no land to possess. They were to do the will of God, and that was their possession. Moses led them for a generation of 40 years in the wilderness right up to the point that they get to the Jordan and almost to the promised land. Moses can't go into the promised land. Moses warns the people about what the land of promise is and what lay in wait on the other side. Nations that did detestable things that God hated, all sorts of evil. 
The people weren't allowed to do those things. God would raise up prophets to speak on his behalf after Moses. The prophets had to meet a certain qualification or die. There would be one like Moses to come. So how are we doing so far, guys? Are you all tracking? Yeah. All right. This is a God and Israel story. That name Israel is important, very important, and it has more than one meaning, but we'll get to that much later. For now, I want to do something else. Let me introduce you to someone very special to me. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So, that brings us to the end of part one. I know we just basically did a big study in Deuteronomy. It really wasn't a Hebrew study, it felt. But guys, that is that is going now. We are in Hebrews 1, and you're hearing about the Son and how important this is. You've heard about type, anti-type, the knowledge of good and evil, and so many other things. And what we're getting ready to get into, this is one of the hardest studies that I've ever done. I told you I've spent years on this. It is an incredibly hard study, but if you will get it, if you will be patient and you will do it, the entire scriptures will literally open up like a flower. It's incredible. This book is the already but not yet. It is the description of the time and faith and so much more. It's incredible. So I hope you guys enjoy. We've got 15 more to do after this. Eh? Pick up your Bibles and read. Yes. Only three and don't years stop. more to go. Only three more years, yeah. Well, Rick, thanks for driving all the way up oh, from Columbia it. to be here. Ralph. Represent. Yeah. yeah, man. Thanks for being here. Andy. All right. I'm so glad you were here. <laughs> I'm glad I was here, too. So, the knowledge of good and evil, but at one point you say the apple is what put sin in man. I think the apple just... It's not an it, apple, actually. It's fruit. I don't even know what kind of fruit it was. Yeah. But but didn't it just give him the ability to understand what was and what wasn't sin? I think that's a good point, Andy. I don't think I don't think the fruit put sin in man. It just gave it it let him what was the word? It opened his eyes. Uh, it opened his eyes to sin. Yeah. So yeah. God not put the, it on the earth. He he puts yeah, but the he tree did the there. The knowledge. It's that's, the knowledge the of sin, it. sin, that doesn't mean the sin was not already there. It's just the understanding that changed. But it was their disobedience. No, he's well, right. No, hold on. You're right. You're getting way ahead, but you're right. You're actually right. Way righter than you could ever be right. Because <laughs> Thanks listen, for the vote. <laughs> listen, the knowledge of good and evil and that sin, God was in a relationship with them. And what they did with him was okay. They didn't know what it was. If it was wrong, they didn't know it. Right. Do you understand? They had no knowledge of evil. So once they had it, they became like God. And that's where the problem starts. That's really where it's at. And you, I see you smiling. What are you thinking? You can't be like me, bruh. <laughs> that's not what it is, though. Uh, I just, I maybe that is what the problem is i i don't know i just i'm still on the same point really oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm still, don't you find there? it funny that they did take a bite of the apple but most of us have a phone that has the bite of the apple taken out of the back of it yeah it, it is that is a uh that is a intentional reference it to sure. the story of Eden. yeah it sure. is yeah because it's about it's about technology and uh the way the knowledge it of brings good and evil? knowledge, not not knowledge and good and evil. It's about the way it brings knowledge to us. That's, yeah, I mean, and I would agree. Is. Yeah, Apple that's, sucks. That, yeah. <laughs> oh, Rick any, has a giant anybody, folding. Does anyone have an Apple computer? Oh God, yes. Would you like to have a hard drive? I mean, I have many. Oh, okay. But well, if you'd like another one, I we had one that we bought for the church. When we had an Apple, or uh, that I bought personally. You could just reformat that sucker. Yeah, but you can't reform it on anything other than Apple huh. once you've formatted it as huh. an Apple. I it's thought. easier for realtors to have an Apple. Oh, oh yeah. Until you get Did an Android everybody fold. in audio and most and a lot of people in video, but everybody that does audio, it's all Apple. It's, that's industry standard. Yeah. 
True. Well, let's get this over, Sarita. Peace out. Adios, Cherry, thanks for being here, guys. And we will talk to you again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. Mowage. <laughs> Mowage. <laughs> Mowage. We're rolling. All right.